Welcome everyone to the Kingdom Capitalist Podcast. This is the show to really help kingdom-driven leaders advance God's kingdom through their life, business, and capital. And we have an incredible, incredible guest here today, Lillian Radke, with an amazing, amazing story. She was a Brazilian immigrant. She took over her uh, husband's business, um, a commercial cleaning business out of, outside of Boston. And when this thing was on life support, it was, it was at its last string. She grew up from $300,000 a year to over eight million dollars a year and talking with her now she has a vision to expand it across the entire east coast to serve the entire east coast and what's so cool about her story which i'm excited to get into and why i'm excited to have her on the kingdom capitalist show is because a lot of that was focused on reducing turnover and caring for her employees and as a result she not just 10x the income of the company but she has seen many people come to christ in her business and a ton of fruit there um, she's also a, a mom and a wife and so a CEO. So just a lot, lot to get into. So I'm so, so excited for the show. So excited to introduce you to Lillian Radke. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's a real, real privilege, actually. And I know, um, you know, the best review from the summit, you were a speaker at our Kingdom Capitalist Summit. Um, the best review was from my mom. And she said, I love this woman. She's got to keep get her on the podcast show. So when my mom says it, you know, that's when you're like, all right, I got to I gotta follow up with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, Lillian, I, uh, I'm really excited to kind of introduce you and get to know your story. Before we do, let me just pray for us and ask God to bless this time. And we'll get going. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for Lillian, her vision, and what you're doing um, with her and her company. And I just pray that it would be an encouragement to those who are listening um, to see, God, that when we really do seek first the kingdom, um, that you say that all these things will be added to us. And so um, that her her story of, of just her life, her faith, and what you've done in her company would be an encouragement to all who are listening. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, Lillian, welcome. Um, tell our audience just a little about you, you know, kind of who you are, your, your family, and then um, what is that like? The, the name of your company and where you're located? Sure. So I own Unique Pro. We do uh, commercial cleaning services. Our office is in Massachusetts, but we also cover New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut. And uh, last year, we opened a second office in Florida. And uh, like you said, our goal one day is to expand Florida and connect Massachusetts and Florida and be able to serve all East Coast. But right now, we have about 245 employees all in New England. And we serve 184 clients. Wonderful. Um, so, you know, in, in your vision, you said it's to grow. But I, before we kind of get into the, the story of the business, I want to go back. Um, because in your bio, you, you noted that you were, you were an immigrant. You came here from another country. And here you are now, CEO, leading all these, you know, this large organization. I want to talk about kind of what got you there. Um, because I'm sure there was a lot that, you know, and a lot of what we do on the show is even kind of diving into your story and, and how God formed you into the leader that you are today. And so why don't we start there and kind of tell us, you know, how God brought you over here and um, and just kind of what brought you to the point of, of really being able to take over your, your husband's company. Sure. Um, yeah, I when I grew up, I had a very strong mom and she was a leader at her job, a leader at the church. Um, also my parents are divorced since I was um, very young. So she had to become almost like the mother and father figure figure in our house. So I learned a lot of that from her, how to be go-getter. Um, and I grew up with that, watching her. So that played a lot in my leadership. 
And then I started playing volleyball. Uh, I'm six feet. <laughs> so um, in Brazil, there's a lot of clubs for volleyball. And my coach um, always mentioned to me, one day you're going to play outside and you have potential, you know, to get scholarship. And I was like, okay, right. You know, um, my sister came for like a, a one year in just to learn English in the United States. And when my time came, my mom wanted me to stand here. And my coach said, no, don't go now. You know, you, you might be able to go in the future. And I had a passion for volleyball until I was 17. And a volleyball coach from University of Arkansas, she showed up in Brazil. And she wanted to select five players um, to offer full scholarship. And um, she saw me, she invited me, and, and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I, I had to take an English test, of course, to come into college. And I was the only one that passed. My other four friends that got chosen, they didn't pass because I all I did was just study English Monday to Friday morning, afternoon, night, because <laughs> I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I came and it was really nice. We lived in apartments. We didn't live in dorms. They even paid for airplane ticket that, that I would go back home on summers. Of wow. course, it was very, very different coming from um, Sao Paulo, which is sort of like the Boston or the New York, and going to Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first time I had to learn on how to adapt a new culture, wow. a new you know, language, new friends and everything. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, we travel a lot during season. And my goal was to come, graduate in Arkansas, and then go back home and, and find a good job in Brazil. But in my last year, I met my husband. Hmm. And that's when you say, like, you have your plans, but God has different plans for you and bigger plans for you. That's exactly what happened to me. And we started dating. Um, and he was from Massachusetts. His family, his uh, family, a pastor like you. So his dad is like a senior pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they came in, in 1995. So we were dating back and forth. And then one day he come to me say, do I move to Arkansas so we can get engaged and get married? Or you move to Massachusetts? <laughs> <laughs> so that was an easy decision, huh? You're going right. to Massachusetts. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Arkansas. I know there might be people from Arkansas watching this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how long did it take? Uh, for you to, I mean, and I, the story of, you know, eventually you took over his company. Had he started that company before y'all were married? Was that already existing? We got married in 2005. And then in 2006, he started the company with a partner. This partner had a cleaning business just in Boston area. And we lived in Central Mass, which is about an hour. And then he, so my husband and the partner saw potential just in Central Mass. And they started to, to develop there. Like they got the first account. And then meanwhile, I had my job. I worked in a company that we did granite countertops. And I went from the office to sales and then to sales manager. And I appreciate that boss very much. And that's what I do today in my company. If I see a potential in someone, I let that person grow within and invest on it. That's what he did to me. Even though I had a business bachelor's degree, he invested so much in me. I was 22, 23, and then I was sales manager, 24 years old. I had to manage people that are over 40 under me. And uh, I appreciate that boss a lot because he gave me opportunities even when I was young. Hmm. So my husband and the partner started growing this company. And, and in 2009, they realized they had different values. 
they were both look at this very interesting because they're both Christians but different values right so it's important um, and then my husband used to be more operations and the partner more sales and the partner turned to my husband and said if we split who's gonna do sales for you <laughs> And that's when the conversation started. And my husband said, my wife. And the partner even laughed because this is wow. like a male-dominant um, industry. And uh, the problem was in the same room and I heard the conversation. Hmm. So I, I wouldn't say that that was my motivation, but I kind of wanted to show him that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. It. Yeah, that's excellent. What a great story. Wow. So he knew already what a supporting husband too, right? And, and the belief in you that he didn't have to think about it. My wife will, will do it. Right. Yeah, because he saw what I was doing for my boss in sales and grew mm -hmm. his sales and became sales manager. He's like, you're making your boss richer every day. Why don't you come and work for us? And we didn't have kids back then. So we mm -hmm. decided that would be a good time to do it. Of course, I had a good salary and good bonus and I had to go down to zero. So like we sold our car, I got the cheapest car and wow. we had to do a lot of things in order to afford that, right? So both of us could be in the business. And, and that started up. It's really, after they split up, we were only left with four accounts and that was like 350,000 per year in wow. revenue. Wow. And we thought it was a good time to risk. Um, you know, not having kids uh, was a good opportunity for us just to do that. So I was mistaken. It wasn't 300K to over. It was 250K. So <laughs> even uh, even smaller. So then let's get into that. I mean, you came in, you're, you're, you know, you had this position of leadership. I mean, what were some of the first things that you saw and begin to realize that, this company had real potential and that this was the right fit for you to begin to lead. Right. I, I didn't have any choice besides growing. Right. So one and I needed to make a living off of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when, uh, when you start a business or when you're growing from small to large, you need to make it grow in order for you to survive. So what I did, I took those four accounts and I used them as a referral. Mm -hmm. So for example, we clean one dialysis center. And I went from that to clean like 24 of them today. It said, so if we do a good job for them and they love our services, let's do it for many other ones throughout the state. And then um, sometimes we had an employee that because we took care of, of the employees so well, he mentioned about us to the another place that he works for and the company called us. So he literally went from a referral base and I love networking and I love, um, uh, all the Chamber of Commerce, B and Nine of the world, so I participated in all of them. And uh, one company referred uh, so many businesses up until today. I still get referred for that. Like I remember that we were cleaning a YWCA that referred me to one YMCA, and today we clean like forty-two YMCAs. Wow. How do you, um, I love, that's a great story. And I think a lot of people, they don't realize the power in their network to grow their business. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you ask, or in, in your specific thing, like, sure, you have people who, who believe in your service, you're doing a good job for them, but how do you actually get them to refer you? How do you get them to talk about you to another company? How did you actually go to that first dialysis center and say, hey, how do I use this testimony and multiply that into 42 other new businesses? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, first of all, I, I asked them to write a letters 
letter recommending us. Because one thing is for me to say, oh, this company recommended us. Other things for me to show a letter. Of course, later on, that letter became videos. Hmm. So we have videos, testimonials from our current client. And um, I, I just ask. I just ask. And when you know what you made, you asked me, how do I make them to refer to us? Um, I think it is a combination of things, right? You do a great services, you have a great price, they see you have integrity and you, the way you take care of your employees and they trust you. In our business, trust it means everything because you're going to hand me the key of your office and you have important paperwork there, right? You have to trust us that we're, we're going to take care of your, your, your office when you're not there because right. usually our work is all overnight after people leave the building. Um, so it's hard to find someone that they can trust, right? So sales was a huge part of what you came in and did this referral network, you know, was that, but, um, knowing a little bit of the story of the company too, you really started to focus on employee turnover, right? Yeah. And, and so, so where was that at? I mean, your sales background, how did you begin to notice that and, and kind of walk us through that? And even the industry standard, I mean, the industry standard I know in the cleaning business is, probably around 70%, 85%, 85%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're at what? 13.5. 13.5. So, okay. That's massive. So yeah. Like, well, how did that begin? And so in our industry, uh, the more I get involved, I started to realize that was a huge, huge part of it. You know, one of the biggest issues is employee turnover, not only for the company, but for the clients itself, right? Because for example, if you give me the key to your office or to your house, we don't do a house, but I'm using as an example, would you rather see the same person coming all the time mm -hmm. or every week somebody different, right? right? You rather see the same person. So uh, there is a group that I belong to that's called C12 and it's for Christian CEOs. And they talk a lot about how you are Christian and uh, your employees should know that you're a Christian, not just because you say it, but they should see your actions and the way you treat them. So uh, C12 actually opened our minds. Sivan and I already had in our heart that we want to be different and we want to treat people different, but C12 gave us re more resources to make that happen. So uh, for example, in our own boarding process, we have uh, new employees telling us that the company that they work for, they felt that they were just like mop heads you know, they just be counted like that. They, they never felt heard because they were just cleaners. Right on our mm -hmm. onboarding process, we tell them, you're not just cleaners. Um, if it wasn't for you, a teacher couldn't teach the next day. Uh, a, a nurse couldn't be a nurse, you know, do her job the next day. Uh, and even now, you know, through this crisis that we're living in the coronavirus, our employees, now they realize the importance of their job but we, be, we have been telling them since day one. So we do multiple things in order for them to be felt cared and heard. Um, I, I mentioned in the, in the uh, summit that uh, we have like an um, app and our cleaners, they use a cure code inside of their closet to order their material supplies. And there are also a space where they can put like suggestions and feedback. So we collect those. Because we have 240 people cleaning out there. We want to hear what they have to see, say and, and suggestions they have. Um, that's one thing. Uh, we have a, a chaplain that um, calls and visits employees all on a weekly basis. 
And the chaplains, they will talk about anything they want to talk about, issues with their family, issues uh, financial, with their job, or with their spiritual life, emotional life. Um, Again, now with the crisis, I had so many calls that the chaplains made for employees that just want to talk to someone because they, they miss that, right? They had the fear. Um, and then I can give, the list can go on and on and on the things we do that uh, will make them feel care and heard. Um, we also, we pay a little bit more than the average industry. So that helps with turnover. Um, and I think it's just our company culture, right? That mm-hmm. we created, that people think twice before leaving for any other job. And it was funny enough that I, um, I had a, a client, uh, a YMCA, that noticed the way we treat our staff, that they invited me to speak to them so they can create the same culture for the wow. location. That's massive. Yeah. I, I think that's a, you know, and I just love to point out kingdom principles sometimes when I, when I see them in business. I mean, it really is taking care of the least of these. And, you know, your employees, in some ways, our culture sees them as, as you already said, it's kind of the least of, like they're the, the bottom of the workforce, a cleaner or a maid, but that their dignity in, in the kingdom and before God is, is, is as of anyone else, right? And so the way that you're elevating them and showing them the importance of their work. Yeah. And as you realize as a CEO, like this is the, the blood, the, you know, the heartbeat of our organization. If, if we don't, you know, this is how we continue to grow and move forward. And so- Right. Um, I, I, I can share your so story on what you said, um, Ellis, because that symbolized perfect what he's talking about. So every once in a while, we do community impact. Uh, we go outside in Massachusetts and see where where we can help and people we need. So I have this client that they have shelter for homeless, and they don't have money to pay for cleaning, of course, because it's all donations and grants. So I told him, we partnered with him and we said, okay, we're going to wash your carpets and do a deep cleaning of your shelter. It's like a two floor shelters. And the employees came and donated their hours. The company donated their uh, machines and chemicals. And uh, that was our first time cleaning the shelter. So I said, I want to participate. I want to be hands-on with you guys just to experience and to be part of it. So I put the uniform and my employees, all they had a uniform and then the director of the shelter came and looked for our, our, our group. And it said, so who, who is the, who's the owner here? She couldn't recognize. It, so I had to raise my hand and said, I'm the owner. I'm here, you know, to do this project with them. And, um, and then in that moment, I realized that's exactly how God sees us. Mm-hmm. There is no CEO, manager, supervisor, cleaner, mm-hmm. all the same. So, you know, God spoke to me right there. So there's no reason for you to treat different a supervisor versus a cleaner versus a manager versus a customer versus a, you know, a, a, a supplier. We all, we all should be treated uh, the same. Um, and, and so it is actually when you're serving people that you, you learn stuff. So I love to, a lot of times to get down from the CEO and, and be together and do projects like that. Uh, it was so, such a cool experience. Yeah, I love that. And um, I do want to ask you maybe one one more question about that, the idea of, um, you know, a, a, a duty like that or a responsibility like that of cleaning. There, You know, you can kind of translate that to other industries. What are some of the things you do as a CEO to kind of keep them 
in a job, you know, in a position like that. I mean, we've talked about how you give them the opportunity to provide feedback. Um, but, you know, I don't know, because we can kind of translate that to other industries. It could be assistants or it could be people who are, you know, doing paperwork, things that are just kind of, they get overlooked a lot. Um, right. Are there other ways, you know, that as you kind of done this or that might be helpful for our listeners to hear, how do we continue to motivate those who are in positions that sure. tend to get overlooked? And I think it starts with the company culture and the mentality of everybody. So we had to change everybody mentality because in our industry, you know, it look in Brazil, there are different elevators for cleaners. Like, hmm. you know, it's, it's what, why, you know? So uh, I read a book called um, servant leadership and uh, on that book, it taught and it, and it is so true. He has the pyramid upside down. So the CEO is right here on the bottom. And it's my job to serve the people under me. So in my case, they're my managers. And I tell them it's their job to serve the supervisors, supervisors to serve the cleaners and cleaners and will end up serving our clients. So if you come to work at servant leadership, of course, we're all following Jesus, right? Our main leader and giving so much example. So my job is to come and make sure that my managers are, have all the tools, resources that they need to succeed in their position. And their job is to do the same thing. Because uh, before that, I always heard my managers coming to me saying, oh, I'm worried if you're happy with my service. Am I doing a good job? Are you pleased with me? And I, I turned upside down and said, don't worry about what I think about you. Worry about the people in front of you if they have everything they need in order to succeed. And that mentality, I'll tell you, change the company. And I always, every meeting, I bring the pyramid because I want everybody to remember my job is to serve you. Who are you serving? And, and then the, the, the cleaners are worrying about serving the clients because right. they're served by the supervisor. So it made a huge sense. The cleaners feel empowered. My managers feel empowered by me. Made my job easier because, you know, all I have to do is to empower them and and make sure that so what my job every day what are my managers need is there any new technology out there for them is there a better tools is that a, a better new training and they are thinking the same thing for people in front of them mm -hmm. um and, and i feel that jesus led that way and we need to use him as an example he washed people's feet um mm -hmm. he always looked for things that the disciples needed and gave him the, the tools and resources and tell them now i gave you the resources now you go and do your job so that's exactly what we do and that mentality uh, can fit in any industry yeah. not just for us what have you done just quickly in light of COVID 19 i know the summit we were kind of right in the middle of that and you were you know there was a lot of things getting cut um, how did you handle that? What did it look like for you and your company? Um, and right. how did you respond? Uh, and that's a very good question because I mean, I, we tell all the time we care, care, care. And now what, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's a very good time to show if you truly care in the middle of the crisis. It's easy for me to tell you that I care when everything goes smooth and you're getting your paycheck and you're getting everything you need. So we have about 55% of our clients that close down. And that meant for us that um, 86 employees were without work. And so what we did, some of them wanted, some of them before the PPP program started, they went and applied for unemployment. Some couldn't because they had another job. And so what we did was 
we took two of our managers and they were dedicated to call people all day long and finding out what are their needs. So a lot of people were like, I'm afraid of even go shopping. I'm afraid about spending money now and not having money for groceries. And we have a lot of, we have 11 vans. So the supervisors came up with that idea to go and stop by locations where they were giving, donating food and bring it to the employee's house. And one day I woke up, I had a message on my phone for my employee said, I cannot believe that my supervisor is at my house with a basket of <laughs> And he donated it. And he not only, he, he, we not only got that as a donation, but he brought it to the door uh, at my door. I could never think I worked for a company that would come to my door for that. And, and now with the PPP money, we were able to bring these people back in and then we're doing some rotations with work and paying them uh, in full uh, and doing a lot of trainings with them. We're like innovative, getting some new products and new machines. So we want everybody on board with training. And um, a lot of people that in my industry decided not to use the PPP money and let people stay home. We're like, no, those people need money. They need yeah. to, they can't wait to, to be back on track. So we brought them and we found, mm. found ways to, to have them back connect to the company, doing some type of work and, and getting paid. And we say that, uh, and I heard this from one of our uh, guests, Jonathan Harris. He said that spirit, uh, business is the ultimate spiritual game. And that, that quote has stuck with me. And I feel like it's kind of been a, a, a staple in our community that, that business is the ultimate spiritual game. And it's that idea that I think that why we exist and Kingdom Capitalists exist is to show and teach and, and inspire that um, we have like the business owner, you, the entrepreneur, you know, the investor, like the, the keys to the kingdom in a sense, right, really are in your hands to show people the radical love of Jesus in a way that is um, really hard to do in a, um, you know, in, in even a church setting or whatever, like you, you really have an opportunity to steward and show people the love of Jesus. And, um, and so what, I just think that's an incredible story. It really like when I hear stuff like that, it, it gets me so fired up to want to continue to create and build businesses because right. of the opportunity that we have. Yeah. Um, so if you, really you I don't know if you know the percentage, but um, how many people in general in the United States go to church? Uh, what, 15%? Uh, 10, I don't know. Probably, it's probably 10 now, 10 to 20. Who knows? Right. I'm going to Google in, it. <laughs> New England's even less. I don't know if you know that, but New England's not only cold in temperature, but it's also cold spiritually. Rhode Island churchgoers is 3%. So that's a very cold state. So where, where are the rest of the people going? They're going to work, right? <laughs> they, not, might, they might not go to church, but they are going to work. So um, let's say if 85% of them are going to work, right? So that's a huge opportunity that we have yeah. for them. They're not going to church, but they're, they're working for you. And I always say each employee that works for us, of course, there's a reason, hmm. right? There's a reason why they come working for me and not for somebody else. And if majority of them hasn't met Jesus or hasn't got closer to God, it is my job to, to make that happen. So one of our core values, as soon as the employee walks in, we have, we have a Bible verse, but one of our core values is faith. This company is going to bring you close to God. Of course, hmm. it's optional. But since day one, they know that and they accept that. And, and not up to today, I never had anybody complaining about that. 
so we just we decided that we're not going to be only like a company where they have christian ceos we want to make a difference my in-laws they are pastors of our church and they always thought that sylvan and i would take over the church one day but we never felt that our that's our ministry we want to be on the field and our company is our mission field right 240 employees working for us most of them might not even go to a church so what can we do to present jesus to them and um i feel responsible for each person that comes to us and we do many cool things um one uh two years ago we had a christmas party and instead of talking about you know company and how good we are and you know all the same speech that every ceo gives <laughs> at christmas parties uh, we we brought a pastor and we brought a worship team and six people accept Jesus on that wow. uh, party. Um, we do devotionals with every paycheck. If there's one envelope that people always open is their paycheck. So um, we send devotionals on their own languages because I have people working for me from multiple countries, hmm. multiple languages. So we have numerous stories where people called my HR is like, how do you know I'm going through this? Why did you send me a letter on this topic? And I never told anybody I'm going through this because, you know, the word is alive. And we have our, our prayer board in, in our onboarding uh, training. Um, there is this big board and we ask if you have any prayer requests, you can write it down and pinch here. And it's, it is so full. We have pastors that come and pray. We pray for the board. Our chaplains pray for the board. To the, and then people started calling us back with their, their answers. So uh, we created another side, and th that's the answers to the prayers. So the, both sides are full. So with small things like that, introducing Jesus to them, and we do Bible studies and prayer before meetings. Um, I'm, I'm so, that's actually, that's my motivation, uh, Alice, to tell you the truth. When somebody uh, calls and like, why are you waking up every day to do what you do? I said, you know, we are working with so much people and my job is to bring them closer to God because I know that it's going to be the answer that they need. Um, they could be emotionally um, issues, could be marriage issues, could be financial issues, and that's just the answer. So if they're working for me, I want them to find Jesus somewhere. And, and that's one of my passions, to tell you the truth. Every day, my husband and I, we think about ways that things we can do, creative things we can do, um, where employees will find Jesus. Mm. I love that. It's so good. I mean, you and how we started this podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. I mean, what a testimony of God's faithfulness to you as you've been faithful to him. Um, and, and there's something in there too that I think is worth noting that you have set, you know, people are saying, well, man, how do I, if you're listening, how do I do this? Like, first of all, there's so many different examples you just gave there about the paycheck and, um, you know, including the devotional. But I think what's so important key, uh, first is you set the expectation in the beginning yeah. that we're here to help you grow in your faith. And the, so, and you've been consistent with that. And so it's not a surprise when you send them a devotional into your, you know, in their, in their mail, in their paycheck, or you do something like that at your Christmas party, because you've been up front to say, this is why we exist. And I think that that could be really helpful for people trying to figure out how do you do this is, you know, it starts with just setting the expectation that this is why we exist. And this is, why we're here as a company and what we hope to do as the leaders of this company. And so um, 
anyways, I, I just, I just, um, I really enjoyed that. Well, Hey, I want to take a different turn with our kind of last few minutes we have together. Um, because I know you are as passionate about your family, right? And your marriage and your kids as you are your business. And we've talked a little bit at the summit and offline. Um, there's so many ways I, I, I want to go with this uh, because we talked about at the summit um, and people can still get those recordings, kcsummit2020.com. But um, we talked about the bat, like really the integrated life there. I want to go a different direction than I've heard you speak on. And it's this idea of uh, the tension of being a female CEO, a, a wife and a CEO, a mother and a CEO. And I know it's something that you're really passionate about talking about as well. Let's go there. And I, I don't even know really how to lead that off. But so I want to pass it to you and say, um, I know you've experienced that tension. How would you begin to address that for those who are listening, who are, you know, in a, in a leadership position in the business and, and yet they're a wife and a mother and all these different responsibilities that they're holding. I feel like that's honestly so much harder, right? There's so much there. And so I uh, would love to open that up to you and uh, let's, let's talk about that. Sure. And I love talking about this um, topic because I struggle for many years until God really opened my eyes and I had mentors in my life that um, opened my eyes and I really take a, a turn and start acting different. And it is so much better now. And I have peace in my life in all the areas because right now, at least in our generation, that we have young kids and we always heard our parents or our older generation said, I wish I had spent more time with my family, right? I, if I would done one thing different would be to give more value and spend more time with people that I love. And I dedicated myself to work so much. And, and, and then um, Jesus talks to us about uh, husband and wife, how you know the husband is the leader of the house. And, and when you're a CEO and you have 240 people under you, and uh, you're telling them what to do and you're giving them orders, and then you go back home, wait a minute, now I'm not the head, you know, now I have my husband, <laughs> so what do I do? And it's literally a shift of a button that I need to do and have him be the leader of our house because God designed him to be that. And I kind of appreciate that. You know, it's one place that I can be the second in command and I can, you know, help him lead the house, but God uh, desires for him to be the leader. So when I let my husband truly take control of our house decisions, of course, we, we talk about everything. Um, he flourished and I flourished because I got to relax and, and, and let him be the husband. And as far as, as a family time and kids time, I decided and my husband and I decided we don't want to be one of those parents that kids grew up and they say, well, good job, mom and daddy you did an amazing company, but we missed you right? We miss you in, in some um, activities and we miss spending time with you. And so we're not, we don't want to be that, right? What I do is that at five o'clock, I turn my computer down. And yes, there are a lot of important things on the table, proposals waiting, email waiting, but you know, I could go on and on and on until 10, 11 PM and it would never be done anyway, you know? So I, I turn it off and I go home. And I put my phone upside down so I have two meaningful time with my kids and dinner together. And, and we take, we, I like to take them to soccer games and, and pool and, and, and pool parties. I want to be with them because I remember playing volleyball and looking to the sides and my parents were not there and I miss that. 
So my, my son does a karate move and he looked to see if we're looking, you know, and uh, <laughs> we, we, we created some, we are creating fun memories with them. And I feel that God has been honoring me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to get advices from um, CEOs that work from seven to seven. Then maybe they go home and if they have time, they will go home, but they're like exhausted. Um, I don't want to be like that. So uh, I think honoring my family, honoring my husband, God has honored us in the company and, uh, and things are flowing. So mm-hmm. you don't have to be a workaholic and to be a CEO. You can still be a good father, a good mother, and a good wife and a good husband. And once your kids grow up, then maybe you spend more time in your business if you want your different right. hobbies. So right. I, I feel that um, you don't want to be successful just nine to five. You yeah. want to be around the clock successful because um, I see so many CEOs failing with their family that they ended up in depression or they ended up in not a good position because yeah. just the, the, the success for the business does not bring you peace and fulfillment, right? Um, so one of my biggest passion is to help women to get the true time management, if there is such a thing, but to be, uh, to make priorities and be, uh, per- and make purpose on those priorities. So like, uh, in the morning I do my devotional and that's a non-negotiable time. Then I- I'll go to work. Um, and then at five o'clock I turn it off, turn off computers, put phone upside down and truly spend time with my kids. We're very intentional with the kids Saturday and Sunday. Um, and, and with that, we created, I created for my life a very personal balance, you know, family, company, um, spiritual, uh, physical. So um, I feel that um, that's God designed us to be that way, right? I love that. And, and just to note that if some if people are asking, well, that's good. Like I want, I want that too. You're saying you've created, and this is something we're actually trying to create too for our community is, like what like it sounds like you have set benchmarks or at least rhythms to help you at least measure success in those other areas of your life right because i think that's the thing about us as kingdom capitalists is like we're really good at measuring how we define success in our business but we rarely do that in the other areas of our life like what does success actually look like with your kids or with your spouse or you know in your faith and so I mean, outside of just having those date, those rhythms, like, hey, in the morning, I'm doing my devotional, 5 p.m., I'm with my kids. Mm-hmm. Is, do you do anything? I mean, is, is that kind of your measure of success to say, as long as I'm doing these rhythms, or does it go beyond that? Can you speak to that? Yes, uh, I always tr- uh, try to keep, create, like, um, something that's going to stick to their memory, right? Like, I, when I look, remember my mom, she, she's like a warrior, right? but she would always be busy, always working, always pushing forward, always moving, always that. And there was not a lot of one-on-one times or long conversations or anything like that or, or, or uh, memorable. Like, of course, we had some vacations and good times, but not something throughout the year. So um, besides spending quality, what I mean by quality time is we, we are trying to create some fun activities that will be memorable for them. Um, so every Friday night we call, well, it's an incredible night. We all dress up with incredible clothes, <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I and two kids. And then we do game boards, um, or a movie that they pick. Usually they like the game boards. 
uh, it, you know, I could be tired, tired sometimes, and, or we do like a, a video game that four of us can play. Um, and you, you have no idea. Comes on Thursday, my son starts. Okay, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, what are we going to yeah, do? And loving it. The game <laughs> so they're, they're looking forward to spend time with us. And it is pretty cool. We started like in a Halloween uh, week that I, we went to Walmart and there was like mommy, daddy, son and daughter costume. And of course, in Massachusetts, we had long sleeves, long pants, uh, uh, incredible costume. And now it's all short leaves, short pants. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'll say, I'll say not only do the, the, the hourly thing, but be meaningful, be thoughtful. You know, that I, I, the same way uh, I, I'm thoughtful and meaningful with my prayer time and devotional time in the morning. And also with my employees that we talked about it, how I keep thinking about ways to care and show. I'm the same way with my family, you know, how I can be meaningful and thoughtful and, and really show, not, ju not just tell me and not just be sitting there next to them, but be present and, and, and mark, do some remarkable things um, that they will remember when they grow up. Yeah, I love it. Um, Lynn, this has been an amazing, amazing uh, 45 minutes together. I know people uh, are listening to this and uh, have really been impacted by this time. If um, There's a couple maybe action steps that I, I feel like are relevant for our audience. One, I know your vision is to expand across the East Coast. So, um, who are you really targeting? Who, who would be an ideal client for you? I imagine if someone needs a service like this, which are most, you know, B, you know, B2B uh, companies, this is, you know, what you provide is something that is moving the kingdom forward. And I would love to get that out there. So who is it that, you, you know, is an ideal client for you that might be listening and saying, I need to get in touch with you. And how can they get in touch with you on that level? That would be my first question. Sure. Um, we, we do a lot of, we do good jobs with manufacturing facilities that have multiple sites, um, banks that have multiple sites. Um, so uh, right now, any company that's looking to have one company as a source for all their cleaning needs and going to our website, which is unicpro.com, U-N-I-C-P-R-O.com and um, filling out the, the customer or just calling that number and one, uh, one of us will pick it up and and we can start talking. We awesome. do, um, awesome. we do very well with government because we're a woman-owned businesses and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I've been cleaning some courthouses, FDA, FAA. Um, it's been pretty cool to do government facilities as well. Wow. Um, and then I know you said you're passionate about just helping um, you know, women CEOs. Um, if, if there's someone who wants to reach out directly who's heard your stories inspired, um, is there a way to get, you know, to, to maybe get in touch with you more directly? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I have divided, uh, divided out uh, one day. I'm going to spend more time with this because I love doing that. But every once in a while I have a woman reach out to me and we talk two or three times, but one day, uh, as my kids grew up, that's going to be one of my missions to really target those moments or start up or they're struggling with a managed business and family. Uh, but email, I think, is the best uh, way to contact, which is uh, Lillian, L-I-L-I-A-N, at unicpro.com. Excellent. Excellent. I, I'm so thankful that you joined us. I, I really hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, it was really great having you. My pleasure, Alice. Yeah. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, which if you're listening uh, at this point, I, I can't see how you did it. 
uh, be sure to go and leave us a written review. That really helps a ton in helping us grow this podcast and our following and getting this message of kingdom capitalism out there uh, and screenshot it and share that. Tag me. Uh, that way we can get to know each other on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, thanks again for your time. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.